Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael, they like to debate and deliberate the Mount Rushmore of given topics. Uh, This week's topic is one that I'm choosing and putting it on them to uh, debate, and that is the Mount Rushmore of just plain old robots. (laughs) I'm glad you got the whole title in there. I'm glad you didn't change it to robots. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Um, I was thinking, we talk a lot about Star Wars on this podcast and i was thinking about how many robots as a kid i saw on the little rascals or on some dumb sci-fi film or Mm. sesame street that were just generic robots (laughs) dumb robots and then star wars came out and they all had names and they were droids and yada 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 and i i just so nostalgic for just plain old robots (laughs) so i thought we'd talk about it all so right. funny. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, I'm just going to go with... Uh, does either one of you guys just want to jump jump in? I'll jump in. Okay, all right. The most robotic of our co-hosts. The man, <laughs> I... the, the man who was told on a, uh, a cable game show that he sounded like a robot, I believe. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I believe it was someone from the East Coast, one of the um, geeks on the uh, Beat the Geeks Comedy Central game show, said I sounded like a robot. And um, he must have been from like Pittsburgh or something. I don't know. And I could not get over it for the entire, you know, next half hour that I was standing on stage. Was just like, what? Who did they call me? A robot? A robot? What? A robot. It was awful. So what's your first just plain old robot? Well, you know, we were all led to believe in the future that um, like robots would be like Rosie the robot on the Jetsons. Yeah. You know, she could do anything and everything. She was multi-use. But in reality, they're like more like the dinosaurs and creatures on the Flintstone where they have like one mundane task that they do, whether it's like the Pigasaurus that lives under the sink is the garbage disposal or the Mastodon that's the shower, or the bird that's the camera. Um, that is why my first choice for the Mount Rushmore of just plain old robots is the Roomba. Oh, I love the Roomba. I love my Roomba. Its name is Dirt Vader. Um, in case anyone is trying to hack into our Wi-Fi to um, um, access our, the, you know, how often it cleans uh, our apartment. It's all the time. I love that it's a robot that has one function, but still, you know, it gets kind of gets tangled up in some wires every once yeah. in a while. But I mean, you know, don't we all? I mean, I think that's the most like human thing about it. Has I mean, it, it's has it ever has it ever accidentally sucked up a cat? No, we are down a cat oh. yeah, since so, this yeah. COVID thing has happened. We're down just to one cat, uh, but he um, passed away from un uh, <laughs> robot vacuum cleaner related <laughs> uh, uh, injuries, um, but. Um, what I like about this robot is that it is just like me. It bumps into walls all the time. Uh, it gets tangled up in wires, as I mentioned. And um, it does like, you know, the cleaning job, but like 85% well, just like me. <laughs> and at the end of the day, that's, that's good enough for a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. But what I, lo- I, I just love that this thing is this thing that has one job. It vacuums. It goes back to its little home base. And then that's it. But it's this robot that just lives in my house. It has a function. It does its thing. It goes back, 
vacuums. It does its thing. And it's just like, this is kind of the future that I was hoping for in a a little way. And it's very strange that my child is going to grow up always knowing that he had a robot in his house. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, pretty cool. So I know in star Wars, you'll see um, R2 units all over the place. And sometimes they're just driving barges or, um, you know, sometimes they're, they're very simple jobs, but they could do all of those things. Dirt Vader can't do crap. He can barely <laughs> vacuum. Sounds like. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he, you know, he, he, he whips it up. He's got his little brush and his little roller and he, he goes through the apartment and it takes 45 minutes to do, you know, two rooms and it's, great and you put them on and the dog hates it another cat hates it you just walk out of the house and it goes back to where it's supposed to be but like yeah he's he's a a unit tasker to borrow yeah. the um alton brown um phrase but that's good enough you know yeah. some some robots you're not there to uh you're not there to do it all you're not there to be everybody's everything yes my good friend dirt vader god bless I lo- you i love it little robot i love it all right uh man freddy what do you got? All right, so my first one is uh, the robot operating buddy, a robotic operating buddy, otherwise known oh, as nice, nice choice as Rob, the uh, Nintendo Inter- Entertainment System robot that was built for specifically two games, and both of them sucked. Yeah, this is the worst. This is the worst robot that's ever been built. By the way, <laughs> it's, it's so bad. It came out in 1985 as the family computer robot in Japan and then was ported out to the United States a few months later. Um, I only ever played the second game, which was Stack Up, which was essentially you just had to stack different color... Use use the robot and its claws to stack up different colored blocks that would match up with the blocks that were on screen. Mm -hmm. Literally, that's it. That's the game. Um, my um my my super rich friend that lived across the street from me came back from uh New York that Christmas with like the Nintendo family edition with so many games including Rob the Robot with the little spinny things and that one game Gyromite name, yeah Gyromite where all you do is you move walls up and down while this Mr. Magoo like character potentially dies unless you <laughs> unless you push the right button Oh, it's it was and, and it it never really would quite work right. You had to get it lined mm-hmm. up exactly perfectly with the with the TV and at the right angle, or else it wouldn't work. And it looked kind of looked like Johnny Five from from the uh, oh for sure yeah that's exactly yeah. what it looked like. And it was the least the least interesting looking. It was the most robotic looking robot you could possibly imagine. It was just Rich, like. Can you- can you explain to Jeff to, to Jeff the, the functionality, what it actually did? Ah, barely. <laughs> <laughs> it just had these. It just had like two claws, and then it would you could use the claws to put in like uh, like on gyromite. You know, it would pick up these uh, the the claws for its hands, and it had these like two spinning gyros, and you had to like move these trays <laughs> with the gyros were on. That would then press buttons on another NES controller. It was a mess. Yeah. No, that's all I have to say. That's all I can say about it. It was just, but yet it was. Here's the thing: 
it was cool as shit if somebody you knew had one. I had a very similar thing where somebody who was like a, not a good friend of mine, but somebody who was sort of an acquaintance of mine whose family was fairly well off had one. And yeah, it was, it was like this, oh my God, you got one of these things. It's going to be so cool to play with. And you played with it for about 20 minutes and went, eh, let's go yeah. back to playing Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm looking at the uh, videos and it looks very rudimentary, very basic. Like it seemed like it took more, it's more work than play to have fun with. Yeah, this. it was an effort. It was an effort to play with this thing. Yeah, it was like it was like one of those like when you buy your kids a STEM uh, oh, science toy thing. or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And and like it seems like it's going to be really science, really cool, and you're going to learn lots of science, and it winds up being you just putting it together for five hours. Yeah, because it's yeah. like over the heads of your kids. That's sort of what playing with Rob was like. Wow, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but the design yeah. looks cool. It is a very compelling design. Yeah, it, it it looks like I said, it is about as robot as a robot can get. Yeah. You know, I love the idea of a robot that make takes more work for its use than what a <laughs> robot was originally intended for, which is to basically ease your lifestyle. Yeah. To do yeah, this is a robot that makes things worse. Yeah. He's like a seventy eight fiat or something where you just always <laughs> You always just got to take it to the shop. Okay, dudes. Uh, uh, Winfield, what's your second choice? Okay. My second choice is um, that robot dog that keeps getting better and better at running and doing dog things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Boston Dynamics dog. Yeah. Which yeah. Um, they've been developing for 15 years. Um, the original one was called Big Dog. And um, there's no word on whether or not if you can't run with a big dog, you should stay on the porch. Right, right. Yeah. Richard, I have no idea if it's associated with um, Big Johnson or not. But it may be well, possible. I'm, I'm looking into it, looking into it. Well, this robot is now being sold to the public, um, a smaller version, a slimmed down version for $74,500. Holy smokes. It's um, 71 pounds, can run for 90 minutes, is waterproof, and it do, does all the things that this dog camera robot thing does which is you know traverse rocks awkwardly and jumps on boxes and i guess it's built for parkour oh it should be built yeah. for like parkour bar- yeah there we go yes write that down write that down french for the french dog barking um and like i don't know who really needs this thing and i think that's also one of the beauties of robots is they're built for maybe like an intended purpose, but it's being sold with, um, with, uh, you know, kind of like this basic camera setup inside of it, but it can like hold things and has places to add additional features and things of your own to it. I don't know if it's necessarily, it's, it's not quite military grade. Like a, I know like, a they frost, try- like a frosting beater or like, what are you going to, what are you going to add to the thing? <laughs> yeah, if, in case, if you're in like the battlefield, if you're on like a, like a you know, 15% incline and really need to, you know, whip a lemon meringue <laughs> into shape. But I love that, that this, I've been watching this robot develop for 15 years. I love that this thing has been like kind of in my life, just watching it get better and better without you know, without it ever really taking on any sort of um, 
it never got cute. It never has like kind of that Ibo thing. It never has that like that robot dog thing where they kind of try to make it look like a dog. It has these strange spindly legs. And um, I don't know. I just find it so fascinating to watch the people develop it and develop its motor skills and develop, you know, unfortunately it's also going to be the video. You know, they, there's all these videos of like the developers hitting these things with like, Oh yeah. Sticks and kicking it and knocking it over. I hate to, you know, it's, it is the video that they're going to show like when robots eventually gain artificial intelligence, it's going to be the one in the trial that they're going to point to and then be like, well, you guys are done. I feel like I've, I've also, just heard you write the first part of your pre-death monologue as this dog <laughs> is on top of you with a drill bit coming out of its where its tongue would be, and you say you're saying, "I watched you grow, I watched you develop over 15 years. Don't kill me, Boston." I I also think there's something about the name Boston Dynamic Dog that if you <laughs> If you told me that this wasn't a beer swilling guy, you know, um, uh, heckling a Celtics game or something like that, I'm so surprised. Boston Dynamic Dog sounds like on the dog shows how the dogs always have like these super like long act names. Yeah, and then their and then their <laughs> nickname is like Sparky. Yeah, that's what that's that so sounds funny. like to me. All right, uh, Manfredi, what's your second choice? All right, my second choice is Biohazard which was the greatest uh, battle bot of all time. Oh, wow. This was a uh, a one of only two battle bots to win three different season championships in the the heavyweight division. Mm -hmm. And I love this one because it essentially looks like a, it's almost like a, a, like a, a wedge that's about four inches tall. And it doesn't have anything fancy. You would see these. I used to watch a lot of battle bots when I was like in college because I was an idiot and had nothing else better to do in college. And it was on comedy central about 12 hours a day in the (laughs) mid nineties. And there would be, you know, anytime you would, the more moving parts there were on a battle bot, the more likely that moving part was going to get snapped off like a twig. And this thing essentially just had like one arm that would just come down and slice. That's all it was. There was just like one, a, a wedge with one arm that would come down and slice it couldn't get flipped over because it was the center of gravity was so low and it had this like a skirt, this metal skirt. So you couldn't get none of the flipper ones could work on it. It was just, it was, it was the Mike Tyson of battle bots for its time, just purpose built and just set on destruction. Oh, I love this choice. I loved it. I loved battle bots, battle bots. I even watched the kind of crappy remake they did a few years ago. Did it retire after the three-peat or, or what? No, it got, it got booted out of the league. It had gambling problems. Yeah, oh. It had these issues with its dad. It never illegal built... batteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. There was a <laughs> illegal use of WD-40 <laughs> was, was claimed. I always like on BattleBots when like, one of them tries to introduce like, a flame aspect. Yes, and it's like it's never like an acetylene torch, which which you know if it grabs you and like had an acetylene torch, it's always like this, you know, very dramatic, um, big whooshing flame that isn't really going to do anything but look good on TV. Right. Um, did Biohazard? No, that, was a, that was a fun show. 
was there a personality because you describe it as a very rudimentary uh apparatus was there some kind of personality that was evinced by his uh controllers is there some way that uh, what made you fall in love with him i think it was a because it was so dominant and b i just (laughs) look i like i like a winner yeah and it it won 37 head-to-head battles out of and lost only three wow I mean that it was the like I said it was the ass kicker of its day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other part of it was just the simplicity of it. Yeah, it it looked like something that, given enough time, I could have built, mm-hmm. which I think I think I appreciated, and I appreciated the fact that it just basically looked like a block. Yeah, and that's all it needed to be. It didn't need to be this fancy the bells and whistles and everything. It just needed to, it needed to be purposeful and mm-hmm. it was purpose driven. I mm-hmm. love that. All right, guys, we are at our halftime for the Mount Rushmore of Just Plain Old Robots. I uh, want to implore you to go back and listen to the spate of guests we've had in our summer fun uh, ep- season 2020 summer fun uh, season of guests. We've had a lot of great uh, guests coming in, sharing um, a fun topic with us. And then I would also encourage you to go check out their. Uh, blogs and podcasts and all the things that they do too. Uh, we also want you to go back into the annals of the Mount Rushmore podcast. You know, if you came here for the robots, the topic robots, if you Googled robots and dorks who talk about them, uh, you could look back in our past episodes and find a number of um, robotic type of topics, I'm sure. Uh, so go do that and download those episodes and rate them that would be super awesome. Maybe even leave a, leave a review. That'd be super cool. And then do us a solid and share our podcast with your friends and family. It's a great summer gift. The summer fun uh, Mount Rushmore podcast. Summer fun. We are the rosé of uh, summer podcasts. Yeah. Oh yeah, rosé all day, like a s- super sippable. Yeah. We're yeah, we're I think have... I think we're a sexy beach read too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Poolside. That's the podcast you want poolside, us. All right, bro. Uh, Winfield, what's your third choice? Well, um, I referred to this earlier. It's the impending doom when robots game their own intelligence. And, you know, whoop, that's it for the human race. You know, it's this idea of gaining artificial intelligence. And I'm not talking about Gigolo Joe. You know, the real <laughs> nightmare scenario for robots is when their circuits and technical abilities merge with uh, artificial intelligence and the human race will be destroyed. And that's why we have to talk about the Flight of the Concorde song called Robots, a.k.a. The Humans Are Dead, <laughs> where um, Brett McKenzie and Jermaine Clement are the uh, comedic band uh, Flight of the Concords. Uh, they had an HBO show for a couple of seasons, HBO, that was just about this duo being these this folk pop duo from New Zealand that are struggling in New York. And uh, at some point on the show, they uh, record a music video for a song called Humans Are Dead, or it's called Robots. The internet is, um, it kind of goes both ways. And the song is all about how... Uh, it's the distant, it starts off saying the distant future, the year 2000. 
and it's an entire song about how the robots have killed all the humans, have um, murdered them for the way they treated robots and treated animals, and um, uh, features this uh, how there's there's two song there's two dances that are um, alive in the future. Now, this was a song that came out in 2007. They're talking about the distant future, like from the year 2000. Like, it's very much a Conan O'Brien bit, but um, it does feature that the only dances left are the robot and the Robo Boogie. And this song is just so funny. It's sung in this uh, ridiculous, you know, the very traditional robot voice, uh, very mechanical, and it's just a, a lovely blend of. Uh, doom and ridiculousness and um i've come to appreciate flight of the concord so much in the last um few years uh but also just the tongue and cheek approach to uh you know the destruction of mankind and this thing that so many movies made about about robots taking over gaining their intelligence and all they want to do is dance <laughs> the the I forget which episode it was where we discussed uh, the sentience of robots and uh, when the, you know, I have discovered if you say the word singularity a certain way Siri <laughs> thinks you're saying Siri so I was talking with someone about the singularity and I said when the singularity comes and then my phone just said singularity a moment of sentience for computers around the world like it uh oh see scared the hell out of me um what was my train and then and then it said we're adding your name to a list jeff hopkins yeah social security number address <laughs> we have your gps we know where you are we're gonna track down and kill you i love the um how rudimentary those robots were because they were kids halloween costume robots okay uh man freddy all right so my third one is the da vinci surgical system Whoa. which is essentially a robotic surgical system that is being used by uh, surgeons today to do minimally, minimally invasive surgery, such as uh, pr- prostatectomies, uh, cardiac valve repair, and gyneco- gynecological surgical procedures. And if you look at the thing, it looks exactly like you would expect a surgical robot to look like if you were to picture it in your mind. Yeah. It's... <laughs> That's kind yeah. of what I'm. That's kind of what I'm driving at. It's it's got like all these different arms mm-hmm. that have like all these different scalpels and other surgical tools attached to it. Now, in this case, there has to be a. There is a doctor who is who is there usually in another in the room with it at a console, doing all of the controlling of the the motions and everything that the that the, the Da Vinci is doing. But I just don't like the idea of a robot with a scalpel. No. <laughs> that just weirds the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they say that it's, that there's been lots of, there have been tests that have, or studies that have been done that show that there's less blood loss when using this than when if it's an actual surgeon doing it with their own hands. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. I believe that the... Uh, the machine is somehow sucking up the blood to make itself look better. Um, (laughs) I believe that it might actually be running on the blood itself. I'm not sure exactly how that works, Uh but I'm a hundred percent positive that when the robots rise against us, yeah, 
this is this is going to be the first thing that turns when yeah. maximum overdrive happens. This is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The surgical robot. It's going to come yeah, at our it, wieners. It, it, yeah, it basically. <laughs> It comes in, oh, uh, it was just a medical mishap. It all starts as accidents. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's just, you know, there's an accidental snip here, a little little cut here. Next thing you know, the hospital's out of control. These things are running running riot all over the place, and nobody can stop them. Well, mm-hmm. you know, they're all going to work in tandem. You know, first the Roomba starts to um, not clean as well, so you kind of slip on some dust, and then you land on your Rob the Robot, and it right. kind of it grabs you and kind of spins a, a top onto your eyes, so you have to go get some surgery. So you go in, and then this robot does the the coup de grace, you know. All I am think all I'm picturing right now is the robot insurance sketch from Saturday Night Live <laughs> <laughs> for when the metal ones come for you. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they will. <laughs> um, but no, I in all seriousness, I mean, this is something that we have thought about for as long as we, as I think there's been a concept of robots has been this idea of well, like, what, what if you could have a robot surgeon, someone who isn't impacted by stress Yeah, or alcohol and, or yeah. alcohol. Yeah. Um, and, and we're getting closer to it. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes the question is, do you really trust a robot to be able to do life threatening, you know, or potentially life saving surgery on you? I don't have a great answer to that, but I'm pretty sure I still, I still trust Doc Shaky better than I do <laughs> an actual robot. Yeah, I wonder. Does a doctor who's on the last hour of his like 24-hour shift do any worse than a robot? Uh, this rickety hour gang kind of surgeon robot thing rolled into yeah. it, or I don't know which one I would rather see. Uh huh as I'm getting wheeled in for my uh, prostate removal, if I'd rather see, you know, a 70 year old surgeon who's, you know, like you said, seeing his fifth patient of the day and really wants to just get out of there for his mm-hmm. golf game. Yeah. Or if I'd rather see this giant robot just being wheeled in and them going, well, good luck. I, I have to say, even a doctor coming at me with a scalpel is not, is, is not very comforting, <laughs> but if they did put this Da Vinci surgical system, is it, does it move around? Does it roll around on rickety wheels? Or does it say, <laughs> no. does it no, say I, Da Vinci surgical system? <laughs> or, ready to operate yeah. now. No, I don't I, think it does that. I'm knifing it doesn't, your balls. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't have like witty banter with you like 2-1-B in Empire Strikes Back or anything. <laughs> Do you have to actually swipe your uh, PPO or HMO card into it like no, in, just, in the middle no, of the surgery? <laughs> no, just just your ATM card. Your ATM card. <laughs> if it, if if it if it's declined, it will wake you up in the middle of the surgery <laughs> and ask for another form of payment, please. I would love for them to, or to just put the uh, sexy nurse costume on it just to try to make you feel just a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Winfield, what's your final choice? Uh, my final choice, when trying to think of, you know, there's such a vast array of robots to choose from in real life, as we've talked about, and in pop culture. And I wanted to end on just the most human robot that I could think of, because um, for whatever reason, I think that's where they were, these were all trending in my picks. They were all kind of slowly moving towards something that was more and more um, human. And I cannot think of a more human robot than 
Bender Bending Rodriguez from Futurama, who was awful and spiteful and a dick and a jerk. And um, if there was any robot that would not wear a mask out in public during a robo pandemic, it would be Bender. (laughs) He drinks a lot. He smokes cigars. He cusses. He's, um, he was built basically for one function, which is to bend things. And then in his first introduction to the character, he's stepping inside a suicide booth to kill himself. I think just because I don't quite remember why. (laughs) And like, he got fired, uh, hadn't he? Wasn't that what it was? Maybe made that, you know, I, it's hard to remember, but I, I love this character and I love that he is this robot that is built for one function. They explicitly just say that he's a bending robot that bends. Maybe he couldn't bend as well as he could. Maybe that's why he was fired. But throughout the series, he is the robot that you dreamed of where he can do basically anything. He takes his arms off and he can have all these different attachments and he has kind of this infinite Mary Poppins handbag like space in his chest and uh, he can live for thousands of years and he's you know, fries. He's a best friend and a worst enemy. He's so, um, he's so overcome with emotion constantly (laughs) that he's just so human. I don't know. He's just so wonderful, even though he's like an, an asshole. And, um, I just think there's something that was, they really got it right with that character in a universe filled with other robots that are just so, uh, you know, are so ridiculous, you know, be it the hedonism bot or the gangster robots or the robot devil. Uh, I just, I, I love him as a, uh, as a character and as a take on both being a robot and then also just being this jerk ass New Yorker. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. New New Yorker. He's a new oh. New Yorker. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I I have a big world open to me because I have not seen one second of Futurama. So I. Oh my God, Jeffrey in. Hopkins. Gotta dig in. Uh, if there's anything that was uh, perfect, it's like the first eight seasons of The Simpsons, and then the first four seasons of Futurama, and even mm-hmm. you know, even when they came back and started doing like the the little mini movies in the later seasons, they're still written so well and they're so smart and there's so much hidden detail and they're such a great rip on sci-fi pop culture and just pop culture in general. But you have to, uh, I am uh, commanding you, I guess, I at will. this point. I shall, hmm. I shall. Good. Wow. Richard, what else can we command him to do? Well, you, Quickly, I, while he's, while he's open to it. Yeah. You, got, you got me started on a Harry Potter and then J.K. Rowling it gets canceled, so... I don't, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know, if, I don't know if you want maybe I shouldn't watch Futurama. Uh Manfredi, what's your final choice? All right. So my final choice is the Mars Rover Opportunity. Oh this wow. This thing was this thing was just a stud. Uh wound up last what landed in uh January two thousand four. Um and wound up uh wound up doing its mission for fifteen Earth years or Martian eight years, eight Martian years, depending on how nerdy you want to be. And I, I, I remember when, when they finally lost contact with it back in 2018 when there was a, a dust storm and it got caught in it and it wound up not being able to recharge its batteries properly and they lost contact with it. 
and they eventually had to uh, call a halt to the mission and uh, declare it complete. And it felt, I remember it uh, for a lot of people, it, it was like almost like a death in the family or like a celebrity dying or something like that. You know, this, this rover had become more than just like this functional piece of machinery. It had actually, at this point, had become something that was, you know, almost had, had, had attained, obtained some sort of human qualities for some reason. I just remember, I just remember being very touched by that. There's, there's very, there's something interesting to that. There's something interesting about being like this, this lone creature on a planet. You know, it's, I think they capture it in Wally very well in a fictional way of like the last functioning robot in this world of no people, no plants, no humans, no animals, just garbage. And I think you think of like something like um, opportunity like that, just like this, this singular creature just driving around looking for things, looking to do things and just like what happens when the batteries run out. And yeah. And I love how long, idea. how long was the original, how long did you say the original they lifespan was, was? I believe that they thought it was going to had it written down here. Da, 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 da. I believe it was supposed to only last for a couple of years and it wound up going for 15. So that was, I think that was part of what the fascination with Opportunity was. And they still have the Curiosity rover is still up there. So there's still a mm -hmm. rover up on Mars. But I think part of the fascination with Opportunity was this, this idea of something having this planned obsolescence and just uh, seemingly being so stubborn and refusing to quit doing what it's sort of designed to do, which is go around, look for water, look for interesting rocks look for signs of life on Mars, do all this kind of cool science fiction-y shit. Yeah, it says, uh, uh, to quick Wikipedia, it says, uh, a mission duration planned was 92 Earth days, and it lasted uh, almost 5,500 Earth days, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah That's amazing. It, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was the Lou Gehrig of <laughs> the Iron Horse, the Cal Ripken of of Mars rovers. I mean, you got to appreciate it. I'm looking at, uh, you know, uh, the launch patch for opportunity had, um, Daffy duck is duck Dodgers on there. Love it. That's great. That's ridiculous. You know, oh, I, I love know, this robot. Yeah. It's, 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 it, it, I, if you get a chance to go out to, if you, if you live here in Southern California, obviously they didn't do it this year. Hopefully they do it next year. The JPL open house that they have every year where they, you can go into the JPL campus and they have lots of exhibits and things set up so you can see what they're working on. And they have scale, scale models of the different Mars rovers that you can take a look at. And it's just fascinating to be able to see these very basic looking things and realize this is how we know so much about Mars. You know, so much of what we know about life on other planets come from these really super basic looking, very simple, simply designed in some ways, uh, robots. That's so, that's, yeah, the Wally, -E, thinking about Wally -E and how well Pixar ascribed these, the longing of, of uh, loneliness and human emotion to that trash bot uh, does <laughs> make one kind of transpose that onto opportunity i will say 
there is something that is almost a, a chivalry Knights of the Round Table um, long lost sense of duty that is so wonderful to know that robots have. Their devotion to their programming, to their assignment, their dedication, and their desire to be useful and remain so long after the expectations of their creator. It's, uh, it's fascinating to me. It does make me feel um, all warm and fuzzy inside. I, I also think about how we as humans are looking for our own opportunities and trying to be useful to our society and civilization and our families and all that stuff. And it seems very relatable um, when we see that in a non-sentient being. I, I saw an article about this hostage negotiation situation in which a guy had a knife and he was going to jump off the 280 or something in uh, California here. And nobody wanted to approach the crazy guy, the crazy suicidal guy with a knife. No, believe it or not, no cop or hostage negotiator wanted to go up and talk to this guy. So they sent a robot with a pizza and a cell phone. This robot just rolled up to talk to this guy. They were able to pilot it. And he could only get the pizza. Where is, where is this? It was at the, he was on the 280 freeway. I think it was like near Chatsworth or, let's see, let's see mm. where it was. Uh, 280 and 680 at Highway 101. That'd be up uh, in uh, Northern California. Oh, sorry, San Jose. Sorry about that, San Jose. So, um, yeah. So here's this robot gets to come bring a pizza to this guy and a cell phone so he can talk to their the cops, the hostage negotiator. And the guy ends up eating some yummy pizza because, as we know, that solves everything. And he ends up walking back down to go talk to the cops, and he turns himself in. That yeah, same. No, Go ahead. I wish a robot would give me some free pizza right yeah, now. I, I think so, yeah. But that same robot, like a week before, shot a guy with a gun. <laughs> that they, they also, He also has a gun on him, the same robot. Can you imagine that robot like, fuck. I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that same robot is shot, shot and killed a guy in another dangerous situation. Do you think yeah, we've seen to... we've we've seen Ed two hundred nine from RoboCop. He, yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's got a hair trigger. Do you think that robot had to see a robot therapist after I, afterwards? I, I imagine did when he comes up to his robot wife. How was work today, honey? Ah, it wasn't pizza today. I had to shoot a guy. Like oh, you know, there's 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 an alternate reality where that guy that was you know so desperate and on the edge uh, was some guy that had moved out from New York, and they rolled this robot over with, you know, a pizza and a cell phone. And the guy opened it up and he's like, hey, this isn't New York pizza. I'm not eating this shit. <laughs> and just, just, you know, jumped jumped. right over. Just, yeah. just jumped, you know. Stab, stabbing himself with a knife as he falls <laughs> to the ground. It's, in the, it's the water. <laughs> the water makes the crust different, you guys. And then everybody. You get a good pizza out here. Everybody's hearing that and they just go, well, we're glad he's dead. We're glad he's yeah. dead. All right, guys, so let's do some scoring. Hey, uh, it's been a long time since I rock and rolled, but I want to thank you guys for such cool choices. I love how Michael's choices, uh, Dirt Vader, the Roomba, the Boston Dynamic Dog, uh, the robots, the humans are dead, Bender. I love, I seem like you are evaluating them and robots in terms of their service towards humans. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, kind of like about our relationship with them. Are they going to kill us? 
are they going to be our friends? Are they going to do their duty? Is that our man's best friend? And then Richard, I felt like you really had a uh, evaluation based on success. How, how, how well are they at doing their job? Are they shitty video game companions um, dominating battle bots? You know, are they questionable surgeons or are they definitely triumphantly successful um, rovers? So I thought that was really interesting. So, but uh, only, only uh, one of you is going to win this game. And I'm going to shake things up this summer. It's halfway through the summer. I don't know. I don't know where we've been with these things. I don't know what the scoring is. <clears throat> what is the scoring? Our our, our guests are currently um, outscoring us. Are they? Okay. Yeah, they're they're up uh, seventy five points to Holy us to, uh, to seventy three and sixty seven for me and Richard respectively. So it's still tight. It's close with um, Jeff Hopkins coming in at zero. Oh shit! So, okay, Jeff, you well, have not given yourself any points this season. I haven't given myself. So I'm going to give Richard all the points this week. Oh. All right. Woo. Yeah. So they are Rob. They are Biohazard. They are Da Vinci. They are Mars Rover. Nothing personal. I just need to shake some shit up. That seems like that seems like I that will... could. Can I appeal to like the the next uh, the Ninth Circuit of um of not robot judging? Yeah, sure. Uh, why don't you? Okay. Is there a knock on your door? Yeah. Is it a <laughs> is it a robot? What's he holding? With a with a gavel. <laughs> <laughs> and a pizza. And a pizza. And a pizza. All right. Hey. He, he just bludgeons, wait, wait. bludgeons the pizza cool. with a gavel and leaves. <laughs> uh, All right. So this has been the Mount Rushmore of just plain old robots. And I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I am Michael. Oh, it's a, he was a robot the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> Michael what said a, twist. He sent a robot to do his podcast. <laughs> You clowns. <laughs> Is that his Roomba? One, one, zero, 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 one, I, one, one, I, one, zero, zero, I believe zero, that's Linglo. Ling <laughs> <laughs>